welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here, as always, as usual, per se, with the lovely Tina Spring. And we say that pretty much every time we open this up, so we might as well just record that, I think, and use that as our opener. But nonetheless, we're here together. We don't have a guest today. And when we were discussing topics, we were broad-ranging and settled on one that I think Tina and I both deal with on pretty much, oh, I don't know, at least a weekly, if not a daily basis, people calling and asking ask us about this particular issue. It's a huge, huge one. And that's house training. And I don't know if Tina has found this to be true, but most of my house training uh, clients, the ones that are having difficult, tend to be with smaller dogs. And um, that seems to be a bigger issue. I don't know if it's just because they have smaller bladders or what, but I know that that the little dogs tend to have a, a greater difficulty in house training. So what do you do with the dog who doesn't seem to want to learn to go outside. So, Tina, what do you do to that? Okay, so so this actually was prompted for me today by a, a Facebook post on a, a breed group specific um, page today. And the, the breed group that the woman was um, saying, like, hey, I'm really frustrated with my dog, it's actually a breed group that I would generally say is crazy easy to house train, right? So, huh. Um, I do think that there's quite a bit of disparity between the dogs that are easy to house train and dogs that are not easy to house train. Um, and there definitely is a continuum. My experience is that toy breeds do in fact just take longer. And I don't know why that is. It just is. It just Um, is. It just is. And, and, um, you know, they, it's, it's really odd because I don't I don't know why that's different. Maybe some veterinarian or behavior person can jump on and, and give us more information. So for this dog, this dog is a year old medium sized mixed breed dog that's a village dog, right? So um, one of the things that I a find village dog. What is a, a village, village dog? Oh, so Pocket from Turks and Caicos. Ah, I was gonna say, does he sing YMCA? Probably. She, yes. She. So, um, so, so that's going to bring, so breed tendencies kind of feed into this. So when I think about, um, this dog, one, it's a female. So that's going to make me think about like, Ooh, do we have like potentially spay incontinence? If it's an intact animal, do we have pyometria? Do we have a UTI? Right. So first medical, um, and, then secondarily, it's a breed group that's, um, the feral dogs tend to be pretty anxiety ridden, uh, ridden. And so potentially when they're taking her outside, she's so overwhelmed by the environment, she's not settling down. So that would be my next set of questions. Like, is she emptying out and then we're going on a walk or are we constantly moving into new territory? And then third, how are we managing it in the house to set this dog up for success. So is she being free fed? Is she over drinking, which young dogs absolutely will sometimes do. Like there's a whole bunch of pieces to pull apart on this. So 
Um, first is medical. So when you have someone who contacts you and says, hey, we have an eight-month-old puppy or a year-old puppy who's still not house-trained, what medical things do you ask them to go to the vet and get checked out? Me? Yeah. Um, I usually tell them, well, one of the things I ask them is, have we, were we housebroken for a while? Because that can also tell me too, if everything was fine and then suddenly we're not housebroken, that indicates to me that there might be some sort of UTI, some sort of physical reason why we are now breaking down. And the classic response is that was, well, she sleeps through the night. And I'm like, Still, right, that you, doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But it, right. part of it depends on whether or not we've had a complete breakdown, whether we had been potty trained and now it's broken down. I may right. take a different course with that than I would with a dog that was never house trained. Right. And so that was that would be my first question. And if I'm going to send it to the vet, what I usually do is I ask them to have a urinalysis done. And to culture it so we know exactly yes. if it, if there is a UTI, exactly what antibiotic is going to be most effective. But I also ask them to have a complete physical done and to take a look at are there other issues that could be going on here? Um, because it could be if there's if it's painful to urinate. I mean, maybe there's kidney stones. Maybe there's. Maybe, you know, it could be that it, 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 it hurts to pee because I've, you know, pulled some muscles or I strained some disc in my back or, you know, whatever. So what I want is I want the dog to be evaluated for, for pain and for other things. And sometimes I'll say, well, depending on how old the dog is, too, is have you ever done any blood work? Because it might be a good idea to get a baseline blood work done because there could be something, some thyroid issues or something else going on. And we want right. to take care of any underlying organic cause before we launch on some huge behavior modification program. Right, because, because sending a child to an EBD classroom because they have juvenile diabetes is not appropriate, right? It's right. not that the child has a behavior problem, we're solving the wrong problem. And that's right. what I often see with families, understandably, is they're getting really, really frustrated and they're adding more and more pressure into the system. And big surprise, being mad at your dog doesn't make it easier for them to learn to pee outside. Like that doesn't, it's not usually conducive to to helping the dog be successful that way. Correct. So, um, well, the other thing I, I had a new one two years ago. I actually had um, a German Shepherd puppy come into me we did a board and train, but the big issue was she um, was eight months old and not house trained yet. And I was like, good googly moogly. We should have had this done already. And she, she of course, got us at the end. But um, my vet said, well, is this an ectopic ureter, which I had never heard of. So this is that the ureter is going to the bladder. That's a new one to me. Right, in the appropriate place. And so the bladder feels full even when it's not. So there, it's really rare and it, it can be really difficult to diagnose. It can be difficult or impossible to treat. But it is important to understand that sometimes just inflammation in the bladder, like a dog who's dealing with just inflammation is struggling with um, having a bladder that feels full and that they're expressing that bladder whether it was full or not, right? So one, I would absolutely say you always have to start with medical. And that sometimes frustrates people 
because they're like it's just a bad dog and i like i love you enough to say like let's run a test and make sure we're just being a naughty dog right okay, i so. agree i agree and and even with with little boy dogs i will ask them to do a urinalysis although utis are not as common in males i don't think as they are in females i just own, think they're not tested I, I, I think it's just as prevalent in boy puppies in my experience so my own feeling is kind of like a urinalysis is such a non-invasive easy test to do let's right. start there because yes and, and that's not to say that we can't tighten up our pottying procedures. Right. So we right. can we can we can start. So while we're waiting for test results to come back in, there are certain things you can do that will Absolutely. increase the the likelihood that we're gonna be successful. And I don't right. know about you, but one of the things that I find happens all the time, you know, there are many things that happen all the time, but one of the ones I love is they open the door, let the dog go out, and then they call the back the dog pees, then they call him back in and then give him the treat. And I'm like what are you rewarding the dog for? You are not rewarding the dog for peeing in the yard. You're rewarding the dog for coming inside, which is not a bad thing, but be aware of what it is you're actually rewarding the dog for doing. Well, and it can result in a dog who fake pees. Right? Yes. They go out and they squat. My mom we had a dog who used to do this all the time. She would go out and squat and look at you. She wasn't actually going. She was just hoping for a reward. Little smart dog. Right? So yeah. they are pretty quick. They're pretty smart. So, um, so next up, once I'm like, okay, we're we're struggling. Like, is it urine, feces, or both? Right? Because that that matters too. So once we've ruled out medical, and sometimes that takes a little bit of time, then I'm going to look at the basic setup. Like, are we feeding and watering on a schedule? If if you if your Chihuahua is drinking a gallon of water a day. Yeah, you're not going to house train that puppy because the, the puppy is overwhelming their system with water. We have a different problem happening, right? So um, that's in particular for young puppies are very resistant to the idea of metering water. But I would say like we meter food, if we know when it comes in, we know when it comes out. And assuming that we're monitoring to make sure that our puppy is not getting dehydrated, metering water so that you can predict when water goes in and when water comes out and you're measuring the intake of the dog just like we do with food is probably not a horrible thing to do and allows you to make things more predictable for the puppy or or even an, a year old puppy who's struggling with house training so a lot of times i see these dogs who it's you know our, our year old lab puppy goes outside and plays in the pond and then gets hot and then comes in and drinks two bowls of water and then big surprise he's peeing in the house well right because it's like me going to the restaurant that keeps filling my liter cup with water every time i blink my eyes yes in times i've literally used the bathroom and while i'm washing my hands i have to pee again right so it's we flooded the system with too much input too fast and like our sweet adolescent dogs, they're not always great about self-regulating sleep or food or paying attention. They also are not really great at self-regulating about water and sometimes are a little fixated on that too. So it's my understanding from a quick Google search, every vet just decided to cringe, that dogs need between one half and one ounce per pound of body weight per day. So 
if you have a 30 pound dog, figure 30 ounces of water is probably a reasonable starting point. And then of course, monitor for dehydration. We don't, obviously I'm not advocating like, you know, dehydrating your dog in order to house train. But you can monitor intake of water and intake of food, because if you know when it goes in, you have a better chance of guessing when it's going to come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have, um, I, I like the idea of monitoring it because I've had people who have said, I'm really worried that my puppy might be diabetic because of the amount of water that he drinks and the amount of water that he pees. And so in thinking about that, I'm like, you're right, Tina. If you're drinking a lot of water, we're going to urinate a lot of water. Lot. What I would right. tell you, though, is like with Clementine recently, she had a UTI and we were watching. She wasn't drinking any more than she normally drank, but she was peeing like seven, eight times on a walk. And I'm like, that isn't normal. That is not what Clementine does. So I'm like, we need to get her in because there is something going on here that's not right. And sure enough, um, we and we decided that since uh, we might as well do the whole thing. So we actually had blood work and everything done on her as well, just so we have a baseline. Right. Um, right. And indeed, her blood work was completely normal, but she had a raging UTI. And right. so, so what well, the other thing she kept doing, this is interesting. I thought I would mention this too, is she is, a, she's a puppy, right? She's like 15, 16 months old. And she was getting fatigued on walks when Zuzu wasn't, we would be walking and it wasn't, we were not going out the heat of the day and she would just lay down on the cool grass and refuse to move. There was one time I had her for a walk. It was a really cool afternoon and we went for a longer walk because we hadn't been able to, because it'd been really hot. And at one point I called Brad to come pick us up because I didn't want to try and make Clemmy walk all the way home. Zuzu's six and she had more stamina than Clementine. And that's what really worried me. It wasn't. And then I noticed that how much she was peeing. And I really think that the UTI had an effect on her stamina. I would agree. And, and honestly, most women, we, UTIs are the first time that we understand murder-suicide, right? Like, if you get a bad enough UTI, it it's debilitating. Like, you can't think. It's like your brain's on fire. So when we're talking about young dogs, often I'm seeing a big increase in negative attention-seeking, fatigue. They're not sleeping well when they are sleeping because their hoo-ha hurts um, and they're uncomfortable and lots of mouthing and biting and jumping up and just basically being grouchy about everything. They're just really raw, right? Cause they don't feel well. And I will tell you one of the things that um, the, the, the owners, the families that I think struggle the most emotionally with this is when they're positive, the dog's just being a jerk. And then we go and we run a culture and the dog has a really serious negative outcome, right? That the urinary tract infections can become septic. Like you can kill a living thing with a UTI. So often- Or in the case of a woman who gets one, she could kill somebody because of the UTI. Yes. Yes. Or become septic. Like it's one of the top causes for sepsis. So while we think like, oh, it's a UTI, it's not a big deal, right? Because they're generally easy to treat early on. But they keep going up the urinary tract until they can actually cause pretty spectacular damage or death. So while we think of it as like kind of a pretty common thing, 
we also need to monitor and treat it because it can become quite serious. Yes. So I've had a couple of families that that um, their vet was resistant to testing. And when we finally went and got a second opinion, we found out the dog had been very seriously ill for quite some time. And then it takes a year maybe of consistently working on building health in that dog to get them back to a healthy urinary tract. So it that health part is an important one. So then, so well, the other thing I wanted to add in about that too is because most urinary tract infections, they're bacterial in origin, so they're treated with an antibiotic. Well, what happens with the antibiotic? But now you are also, as, as right. we learned with Dr. Becker, which if you haven't listened to Dr. Becker's episode, you should. It's the one before this, and it's really good. So stop and listening to us awesome. and go listen. And she's awesome, and we love her. And she has amazing hair. Oh, really, she does. But aside from all that, <laughs> what we know about antibiotics is they're going to mess up your dog's biome and not just the biome that we're trying to get rid of. It's going to mess up the biome in the urinary tract. It's going to mess up the biome in the, in the right. digestive tract. It might even mess up the biome on the skin. So when we have to treat these things, especially if we have to do any kind of a long course of antibiotic, then we're talking about taking a long time to reestablish those biomes. Right. So it's not just about killing off the bad bugs. It's about building health, too. So that right. becomes like a much bigger deal. And sadly, lots of vets don't really know how to do that. They know how to treat disease. So sometimes we have to go to other sources to try to find out good ways to add good pre and probiotic in and how to, um, for example, um, I a lot of times with my old male dogs, when they're prone to UTIs, we use the mannose powder to just coat that urinary tract and kind of try to prevent the onset of a UTI because I'm trying to keep them as healthy as long as I can. And we talk about with health and longevity in dogs that um, we want them to stay well as long into life as they can. But like a UTI can absolutely, in my experience, trigger kind of that collapse of the overall system to a dog's overall health declining very quickly when they're elderly. Okay. Yes. So next yes, I is, would agree. And, and, and also too, we just, we also want to point out that we are not, we are not badgering that that's, we love that. No, I um, love that. Uh, but part I just of don't it is expect them to be wizards. Right. And like they can't know all the things. Right. And what they have been taught to do is to treat disease and they do yes. that very, very well. Beautifully. Yes. Yes. So there's just like, just like our doctors, right? They treat disease, but we have to build the well, the health, right? It's, right. That's a separate thing. Okay. So, so then we look at stress. So one, I'm like, okay, are you taking the dog out or are you just sending the dog out? I have my pug will go outside in the backyard and sniff around and trash talk the deer and yell at the squirrels and badger his siblings and not actually empty out. He's just out there being a goof, doing whatever dogs do. You bring him in and he's like, oh, now that you mention it, I could actually urinate, thanks. I'm like, go outside and potty. So one of the things that I would say is if if your dog is in house trained, if you're struggling with that, I'm gonna ask you the question, are you going outside with the dog to monitor what they're doing? Because it may be that your dog is like, oh, I go outside and I play for 45 minutes and then I come in and I urinate in the house. 
Well, if that's happening, your dog is probably not emptying out outside. So the I'm a brat. I want my dogs to empty out first and play later. I'm just a jerk face. Oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm the same jerk. Oh, good, excellent. At least I'm not alone. So I take dogs out on leash when I'm house training. You go out on leash after you pee and poop and you empty out. Then you get to go on a walk or then you get to play. Exactly. I don't I don't keep walking into new territory over and over and over again, desperately trying to get that dog to eliminate. It doesn't work. So I walk to a, an area that's a good candidate for pottying and I kind of just stand there. Yes. I tell people, do your very best imitation of a telephone pole. Yes. And maybe I'll walk around in a you know 10 by 8 area, but we're not moving into new territory. Because if you have a sensitive dog, every time you move into new territory, you're overwhelming them again. It's like resetting. You restart, right, yes. you reset the clock. So that's what I would say is when I get those dogs who are really hard to house train, it's almost always that those dogs are overwhelmed by being outside. So what they do is they go outside, their their dance ticket is full, right? They have their dance cards full, they can't deal with all the stimulus, they come back in, they relax, they urinate and defecate. Because that's a fixed environment, relatively speaking. So you you can't you can't take the dog on a three mile walk. Because you're resetting constantly. That dog needs a static environment or relatively static in order to be successful. So that's sometimes the breaking point with those dogs that seem resistant to house training. I'm like, oh, it's just you keep moving into new territory. I also don't stay out there for two and a half hours. I literally go out, stand in the spot for no more than five minutes. At the end of five minutes, you come in and you get crated. If you complain in the crate and say, hey, 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 lady of the house, lady with the string cheese, I need to pee. I put you on a leash and I take you right back to the potty area. And I'm relentless about it. We're not doing other things until I know you've eliminated outside. Right. I do something. I do something very, very similar. Um, and one of the things I tell people is, that, for example, when um when my dog Bingley was a puppy and he must, he was house trained. He was house trained. I knew he was, but it was, he had this thing for a while that we would go outside and he'd go potty and then he'd, and I would wait and I'd wait and wait. And he wouldn't go. So he'd come back and he'd pee on the stairs going up the stairs. So I ended up calling one of my trainer friends in, in Virginia. And she's, and she said, Julie, what would you tell one of your clients? I'm like, I'm not in client mode. I'm in owner mode. <laughs> what do I do? And one of the things she told me is just leave him on his leash, come back in, wait a minute, and go right back out again. And, right. And that's indeed, and that, that fixed it. And he went out again. One thing I tell owners, too, is, like, I was just talking to one owner, and she was ready to rehome the dog because she was so frustrated with house training. And I said, that's probably the number one reason why dogs get rehomed. Um, but what I said was, you know, you're just letting him out, and he plays and he romps. His favorite thing in the whole world is to play in the yard with either the other dog or the crab apples. He bats the crab apples everywhere. It's just the cutest thing I've ever seen. So I said, uh-uh, we don't no. get to play. 
we must go out and do our duty to God and country first. And then as right. soon as we do our like, duty to God and country. Peas, and then you get the cupcake. So yeah. I a lot of times start by taking the puppy in the front yard or the dog in the front yard in the boring flower bed where there are no crab apples and no obnoxious bug, right? There's no squirrels. It's all very boring. It's very utilitarian area. They're kind of, for our yard, they're kind of, there's a little bit of a natural blind from the street. So they're not being overwhelmed and there's nothing fun to do there. All we do is potty. Okay. So then my other question is, are we feeding on a schedule? And how are we confining that dog? Like, how are we supervising? When the dog is eliminating, are we keeping a log? When the dog has an accident, are we logging where those accidents are happening and what time of day and perhaps which daddy was in supervision mode and not paying attention Yeah, what was going on? Um, Because we will start to see perhaps some trends about when errors are going to occur. And then when we're cleaning, how are we cleaning up those accidents, those errors, so that we're cleaning on a dog nose level, not a human nose level. Right, right. And one of the things that um, I I will tell people is um, stop free feeding. Oftentimes I find dogs who are having house training problems is, is we're free feeding. And it's like, well, and the, if for no other reason, then don't free feed because you don't actually know how much your dog is eating. And one of the key indicators of a dog's health is how well does it eat. And if you don't know how much your dog is taking in, you don't know how much is supposed to come out. And if we're not eating and you're not keeping track of when you're filling the bowl and stuff, you're losing an important indicator for health. So there's a lot of good reasons to stop free feeding. But well, one of them is you can control then a little bit better about when it's going to come out the other end. Right. Right. So for example, I got a call this morning about a dog who's eight months old, an eight month old mixed breed dog. Who's not house trained yet. They're like, we take him on a two mile walk and then he poops right after we leave. So I'm going to tell you, that's going to be a fearful dog who's overwhelmed with stimulus. And my guess is that they're overfeeding that he's eight months old, right? His caloric needs reduced, but we're probably still feeding what we were feeding before. And so the dog is having to poop like six times a day. We'll just cut his food back. Like we're probably overfeeding. Like I'm gonna make the bold statement that when I meet him on Friday, he'll be a little bit of a chunky monkey. So some of it is like like a good trainer, like I don't charge for these calls, right? When somebody calls me and I help them triage this, I can't house train your dog for your house. You have to do that. Now, can I get the dog in routine and sort out what works for that dog or doesn't work for that dog and crate train and all those things? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I can. But in the end, when this dog goes home from the boarding train, the family's going to have to pick up where we left off. And if they feed him six cups of dog food a day, He's going to have to poop six or eight times a day if they feed him a cup in the morning and a cup at night of a good, high-quality dog food. He's not going to have to move his bowel nearly as often. Right. And so all of a sudden, his needs change pretty dramatically. And these are first-time dog owners. They just don't know. Like, they're just right. learning. Right. And I'm happy to teach them, right? So um, then I'm looking at, again, like, where are the errors happening? 
So, you know, are we using eight different doors to go outside? Yes. <laughs> how are, how is the dog telling us what they need to eliminate? Some dogs, I used to joke about my Shih Tzu that if you didn't hear him look at the backyard, back door, he'd go poop in the dining room. Mm-hmm. I, I can only assume that's a Shih Tzu's favorite pooping location. Oh, I think so, it is. I had a Shih Tzu. Same thing. And it was so we bell trained. It it took forever to train that dog to go outside. It was like two yes. years. So yeah, you know, just that's just the so, way they are. So I will say that there's a local breeder here in Georgia who has Yorkies. And her dogs do not lift their legs in her house. And I was like, stop, you're kidding. Stop, hold the presses. Tell me what you do. (laughs) And I know that this is going to be controversial. So somebody's probably going to be upset. Hear me out. I'm not talking about being inhumane. So she uses belly bands. So a belly band is just a piece of fabric that goes around the dog's abdomen. She has itty bitty dogs. So she puts a light day panty liner in there. And it goes around the dog's abdomen when he's active in the house. If he tries to lift his leg, the panty liner catches it. And when she goes to take him outside, she can see, did he attempt to urinate in her house? If he did, she washes his little belly down because urine goes on as an acid and it dries as a base. So it can be a major irritant to skin, right? So I'm not talking about put the belly band on and then just be mad at the dog and let them, you know, burn their skin with their urine. I'm not not advocating for that. You do have to wash them down and be like, okay, but she doesn't get start giving any real freedom without a belly band until she has had a full 12 weeks. Wow. Of no errors in the belly band. And she has intact male Yorkies. Things that like to pee on everything, right? So these are dogs that are used for breeding and showing. They're beautifully well-trained, but she was like, I am not having dogs pee all over my house. Good for her. I really like that. In fact, I have a client this week who was using a, a belly band. And, yes. Um, so, yeah, it can be a very effective means and of helping to control. And I'm not talking about, like, let the dog lay in their own filth. That's no, ridiculous. No advocating not. for that. Absolutely not. No, no, that none of that. And the what I have found, at least in my own household, if we have an accident in the house, it's usually not the dog's fault. It's usually my fault because I wasn't paying close enough attention and I wasn't restricting freedom enough. That's one of the things I always ask the client. I said, you know, one of the things that I have found to be one of the biggest banes of, of house training and, and what the biggest mistake is too much freedom, both inside and outside. Absolutely. You Absolutely. in my household, you have to earn that freedom. You are either tethered to me or you're in a crate until I can right, trust in you a with a pen behind something. The because yeah, I will tell you, I had a college student years ago, this was mortifying, that she had a Chihuahua puppy who was delightful. He was awesome. I loved him. He thought he was big. He was hysterical. So what Chihuahua does I, I kept asking her. He was super, like, brave. Like, he was super funny. He'd play with German Shepherd puppies. Like, he was hysterical. So I kept asking her, how's house training going? She's like, it's great. He's never, ever had an accident in the house. And then she went to move out of her apartment. And when they picked up the bed and moved it, they found that he had been using under the bed 
as his personal little oasis of potty area. It was ridiculous. Now, how she didn't smell that, I don't know. Like, I, I try not to judge. Maybe she has a false sense of smell. Like, I don't know. But it was like she called me mortified, right? Because it was like poop stalactites. So, or whatever no, okay. the ones that come up from the bottom. Yeah, no, it was bad. So, we just went back to, okay, he is not house trained. You thought he was. This is how we're going to work on it. And so, we went back to doing it. Now, I will say, when our dogs become elderly, sometimes they become incontinent. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as a matter of fact, I've had one old dog who did become incontinent, and I changed how we were creating to a puppy playpen where elimination could drop through so that my dog wasn't destroying my house, but also wasn't laying in filth. He was embarrassed. He had no control over it. And I was happy to just change out, you know, the stuff that needed to be changed out. It, it wasn't horribly gross to manage him, and he still had a good quality of life. He just wasn't able to hold his bladder and bowel anymore. Bed had cleared him. We had done all the things. This was just one of those things. He had a little had a little issue with that. So I didn't want to hate him, and I didn't want him destroying the house, right? I didn't want every other dog in the house not being house trained because this dog was having problems managing elimination. So I would, to recap, right, we want to monitor what's happening. We want to manage and build on success, not failure. And notice at no time have we said punish the dog. Right, right. No, there's there's no punishing going on here. In fact, what right. I tell owners is what you need to think about is is immediately rewarding the dog as he starts urinating, that's when you're reaching into your bait bag. And when he's done, it's, oh, yay, good boy, have a treat. Now I let you off your leash and we can play in the yard. So for this particular little dog that I was working with this, this week, there were two rewards that we were going to institute. One is you get a little treat for doing your duty. And the other one is you get to play in the yard, which is what he really right. wanted to do. So, yeah, no, we're not talking punishment at all. And, and if your dog has an accident inside, what I tell owners is like, say like air, you know, such as such as or say la vie, such as life, such as war. It just is. Clean it up and move along. Well, and and don't make the same mistake again. Right. Very good. Right. Point. I yes. mean, I, I went and met with like the cutest family yesterday and their puppy and what we figured out was like the dog was being obnoxious with the kids partially because we didn't really have a plan, right? We're just getting the puppy out and it's a little bit of a free for all. And then things are escalating and, you know, nobody's being a jerk. Like nobody's trying to set the plan that it's a hot mess, but a hot mess yet it, you know, becomes. So if, if I know that Christopher's taking a nap, and I'm going to teach a lesson, I'm not going to leave the dogs that aren't house trained loose running around in the house. Like that's just setting Christopher up to fail as well as the dogs. So um, some of this is figuring out where the errors are happening so that we're preventing them. Now, are there dogs that are so phobic? I had a case years ago that somebody had their fearful beagle outside 
and the tree in their front yard got hit by lightning just as the dog squatted to eliminate. It was horrible. Like we ended up medicating that dog because she was phobic about being outside and peeing. Talk right? about it trauma. That is exactly. a huge trauma. I mean, the so they the owner and the dog both had burns, light burns from the lightning Whoa. strike that happened like 15 feet away. Like it was crazy. It, by the way, blue sky. Only Georgia can do this. So like no storms in the area. They went outside. Boom, lightning strike. That's crazy amazing. Crazy fluke of a thing. So, you know, can things happen that traumatize the dog? Absolutely. Right. So that dog, when we were retraining, we were taking her to a completely separate area of the yard because she didn't want to go in the front yard. The front yard was like no man's land. Like we're not doing that. It's terrifying. Dragons happen there. So literally, I mean, it's like a literal yes. dragon. The yes, boom, the light, a literal the dragon. dragon. Yes. <laughs> right. So flukes can happen, but my experience is most dogs can absolutely be house trained. If they can't, well, then we got to talk about some other stuff that's not nearly as much fun. But there's an awful lot you can do. And if you have a dog who, for whatever reason, has learned to eliminate in a crate, there are crates made that have grating as, as a false floor that you can put non-pheromone scented, like unscented pee pads underneath that if your young puppy or dog needs to eliminate, they can eliminate and not be laying in it. It's not gross to clean up. It doesn't destroy your house. So it can buy you time while you're trying to house train this dog. I used one for my old dog when he had vestibular. Right. Well, one of the things we can do then is let's put in the show notes a link to that kind of crate. So if somebody wants okay. to find one, sure. we'll share that. And also to, to um, non-pheromone pee pads. So... So, we'll get links so for all those I things. Buy, um, I buy. Um, it sounds like I spy with my little eye. <laughs> right. I buy what are loosely pee pads that are used for medical. Okay. For humans. So I think the thing to remember here when you're talking about house training is that don't give up. Don't feel like this is hopeless. That there are things that we can do. You need to check husbandry issues you know, um, medical issues as well as, is husbandry, like feeding issues. Then you also have to just take a look at what kind of structure can I impose so that the dog has a clear understanding of what's expected of him. If I don't understand what the yard is for, I'm not going to use it appropriately. So we want to set up some structure. We want to eliminate any kind of physical reason why we might be having problems. We want to um, impose structure perhaps on food and water so we can get a better idea of when we're going to go so that we can be better about taking our dogs out. And um, we're also going to choose a spot for them to use that is appropriate and has the, the things that uh, your dog needs, uh, maybe a little bit of privacy. But the other thing is um, I was going to mention is uh, in crates, for example, if you have a small dog, make sure the crate is small enough so the dog can lay down, stretch out, turn around, stand up and sit, but not so big that we can make it both a bedroom and a bath because dogs are, are loathe to go to the bathroom where they sleep. So don't give them a crate that's too large for them to, uh, to be able to. You want them to sleep, 
and not think of it as a bathroom, a bed and a bath, just a bedroom. The other thing to remember is that oftentimes bowels and bladders wake up when you move from one activity to another. So when you go from sleeping to not sleeping, from playing to not playing, from eating to not eating, it's really important that you think about those transitional periods and get your dog out to potty because it's oftentimes when things go from one activity to another transitions or when bowels and bladders wake up because we are we're going, especially if we're going from something really fun, like we were playing and we're really excited. Now we're coming down and we're starting to relax. That's a good time to take your dog out to potty because uh, he's likely that as he's relaxing, his bladder is, is relaxing too and going, ah, who knew there's something in here needs to come out. Let me talk quickly about, so we have an 11 year old Jack Russell Terrier at our house. Um, loosely like he was loved by his family but was loosely raised by wolves and while we have been trying to run this down medically for some reason randomly sweet mister simply cannot hold his bladder and behaviorally it is your he's in the middle of walking and he all of a sudden gets caught short and squats and just pees away he could have just been out like you know he eliminated, we're doing all the things, and yet he just gets caught short. So what we were seeing was using a traditional crate that's traditionally sized for him, um, he was eliminating in the crate. If you removed bedding, then the poor kid was just laying in it, he was getting baths constantly. It All the traditional methods of how to help him house train were not really working. So right now, we have surrendered a little bit. So he's in one of these drop-through crates that we just talked about. And when I get home later on, I'll take some photos and send them. But he has his cushy bed on one side. He has this grating on the floor. And then you'll see that there's a urine pad underneath that does not have pheromone. It's just a medical pad, like for someone who's bedridden to catch fluids. Um, And if Mr. needs to eliminate, he can and he's not laying in it. It's a lot easier for me to clean than climbing into a dog crate and trying to clean and disinfect and deodorize that. Our house doesn't smell yucky. And I can clearly observe, was he successful holding his bladder or did he have a problem? So I can give better data to our veterinarian. So um, these these drop-through crates, while they're really created for puppies, Um, can absolutely be used with adult dogs or with a dog that's really struggling with house training to make it um, easier to care for them and keep things clean so that they're not laying in their own filth because that sounds terrible, right? That's that's a major... Oh, that sounds awful. I would not want to lie in my own urine. So, No. no, I get that. All right, so we have several suggestions for you. We're going to have some stuff on the, um, the website. And um, if you have problems or concerns about house training and you just feel really stuck, our advice, once again, which is what it usually is, is find yourself a good positive reinforcement trainer to help you work through some of the issues here if you feel like you've, you're stuck in a corner. Because usually these things, with just a little bit of tweaking, we can get you through this. So, and. And be patient with our questions, right? The last thing a trainer wants to do, hopefully, 
is to tell you to do something you've been doing for six months already, right? We're just going to frustrate you. So many times we're going to discuss things with you. And our goal is to find things that we somehow miss that'll be the magic key to helping you have your dog house trained. We're not judging you. We're just asking for more information because, for example, if I was trying to get to Julie's house and I called her and said I'm lost, we're going to hopefully start not with her telling me to turn left and right, but to figure out where I yeah, am first. That's right. Right. That's so right. that's what a good behavior professional is going to do. They're going to start with, well, what have you tried already? They're not trying to exasperate you, <laughs> though it might feel that way sometimes. And it's not a test. We're not laying here. We're not sitting here at our offices judging you, usually. Um, I'm kidding. We, we don't really judge you. We don't. What we're looking for is where's there a gap that maybe would explain what's potentially going on. Right. So right. be patient with us, too. And we're okay. sorry your dog's making a mess in the house. That sucks. Yeah, it does suck. And we understand that too, which is why we want to help you solve the problem, which is why we're asking as many questions as we are so that we can help you find the right answer to this particular problem. So with that, thank you very much for listening to Your Family Dog. Please like us and share us with your friends. That's how uh, we get a little bit more recognition and make ourselves available to, to others. So thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.